Hi everybody, Matty Jackson back here with the Academy North from Behind the Lockdown podcast. Stephen Cole here again. How are you, Steve? Good, mate. You? Yep, excellent. Thank you very much. Don't forget, check out our website, academynorth.co.uk, social media at Academy North One, and up Apple and Spotify for the podcast. Our next guest, another, another test match cricketer. We're churning them out at the minute. Uh, 60 test match wickets, 11 ODI wickets. 670 career wickets and a man of the match award in the Boxing Day Test. Thanks for joining us, Dean Headley. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. Morning, gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us, mate. How's it? How's everything with you? Obviously, we've just gone back into lockdown. How's that for you? Yeah, so lockdown. Um, I work in a, a school, Stamford School, and. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a little bit tricky, but we're soldiering on and uh, we're giving um, our pupils the best opportunity we possibly can of any sort of physical education at the moment. Brilliant. So at least you can, can keep busy. How long have you been at the school, mate? This is my 11th year. Oh, wow. D- done a good shift. So you'll uh, you'll know a good friend of mine, I think, then, Henry Charlton. Yes, yes, yes. Henry was a captain of ours here, a very good cricketer. Yeah, um, he, uh, yeah, he yeah, played with us yeah, up in I Liverpool. I think he got 100. Um, he was a very good player, and he, he was certainly a player that should have got 100 in our main square. Um, and I think uh, he ruins that. But, uh, yeah, he was a very intelligent sportsman, not just for cricket, but also for um, hockey and rugby. Right, I'll, uh, I'll pass the message. And he got plenty of 100s for Liverpool Cricket Club, so I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he, he was telling me he enjoyed it out there. Yeah, brilliant. Good to hear. Liverpool's not out there. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Across there. Yeah, so one of the first things that me and Matt like to talk about is nicknames, and yours came up as the Frog, mate. What's that about? Right, so um, <laughs> this is um, a nickname given, in, given to me by the friend, uh, the big players, and um, Big telling joke come down. I told a joke about the white man frog. Uh, that would be another joke. And Love it, you can tell us. Jokes, you speak. And you open your mouth wide. And uh, when I yawned, Alan Eagleston used to say I had a flip top head. Um, after, the, um, after the toothpaste adverts, um, just because I'm, I've got a big mouth, really. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> And so I told this joke, the boys liked it, and then I think it was Alan Eagleston, he called me the wide mouth frog. (laughs) And it stuck. (laughs) Not many people call me that. Uh, There's a lot of people who know my nickname is Froggy or Frog, Um, but there's only a select few people who call it me, so probably more now. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll we'll bring it back. Okay, so Frog, um, (laughs) we'll go on to, uh, so we're doing this podcast at 11 o'clock, the time you asked for is that because West Brom are kicking off at 12 o'clock is it mate big West Brom fan uh, I, I've supported West Brom since I was 1977 so uh, that would have been the time of um, Paddy Mulligan Regis Wilde Cunningham Batson um, Statham Willie Johnston Tony Brown Bomber Brown uh, Alistair Robertson so yeah yeah. Um, I follow West Brom Watch for their results. Go with the roller coaster that it is. <laughs> um, but that's actually quite nice supporting a club like West Brom. But it's a family club, you know. So I'm I'm born yeah. in Stanbridge, so it was either that or support the Dingles. 
<laughs> great, great away day, West Brom. I, I went there when, under Brendan Rodgers, Liverpool lost 3-0. Chris Brunt scored a couple, but it was a good day. <laughs> it's a really nice ground. It's family ground. Um, and, you know, it's just a team that I... In those days, you supported the team that was in your locality, not supported trophy winners. <laughs> that's, that sounds like a dig, but we are from Liverpool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, 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 it wasn't a big <laughs> To be fair, you won quite a lot of trophies. But, you know, to be fair, you've got the accent. You, you're qualified. Thanks, mate. We'll take that box. So, just before, we'll move on from the football, mate. And just before we go into your playing days, just a little bit on your coaching stuff. Um, looked on your Twitter this week. There's been a, an article in the media, mate, um, that, you, that you obviously had a, had a chat with them. And you've been granted the Black, Asian and Minority Ethnic Bursary for a Level 4 coach. Um, is that something you see yourself doing, progressing through the coaching ranks yeah. into the first class game? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, um, it is. I mean, that's not my choice, is it? Um, I feel that I have the attributes as a person and have the experience to do a job like that. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I'm honestly, it's, uh, it's coach people as opposed um, to get the best out of people. You can't just talk technically to know that it's a tick. Working as doctors, you know, I deal with probably 600, 600 children within my programme, um, ranging from age. Well, year three at school to year 13, so that's having to differentiate the pupils and you come across. Um, certainly in the younger years, it's a lot more fun, uh, just getting them engaged. And then as you move three, but even then you have enthusiastic cricketers and you have some very good cricketers. So someone like Henry, you know, you can talk more technically to him. Um, yeah. You know that he's a quiet lad, but confident. Um so you just got to. Uh, I just think that I would like to have the opportunity in the professional game, but as I say, it's not my choice. Fingers crossed, mate. It's it's so refreshing. Obviously, when we're not being amateur podcasters, uh, Academy North, we do <laughs> we do an awful lot of coaching of players. All, all ages, all abilities, and everything. And something that we we've got on our website and quote is about coaching coaching people not just players so somebody in your position it's so refreshing to hear you say that um so great boost for us so thank you mate <laughs> people are people are very no, good um the people are very um complicated yeah um but in the same sense quite simple as well so you've just got to and i think people can see through you if you afford um, you're just doing it for money or you're doing it just because you think that that is a career then I think that you, especially children children will see whether you're really interested or whether you're not or whether you're just going through the motions um, yeah. and when they see that you want the best out of them doesn't matter how good they are they, they, they respond yeah brilliant <laughs> yeah, so you're doing a good job anyway you're doing a good job lads thanks cheers <laughs> mate <laughs> Coming from you, mate, it's great. So, honestly, uh, so you started at Worcester second level, mate, and went made your debut for Middlesex in 91. What do you remember about that? Uh, 
the debut or, or the, the yeah the first class debut so well first of all I didn't leave or the Worcester sacked me um, which is fine and actually it probably did me a favour as well um, it taught me that the game was quite tough and yeah. there wasn't a lot of sentiment in it um, and that's okay that's okay um, yeah. but then moving on to middle six made my debut probably nine nine international cricketers in that team I went wow. from second 11 didn't play hardly played any second 11 for Worcester really uh, through injury and then I played for a little club called Leeset in the North South, South Cheshire League um, right. very very little club um, lovely people and I was pro for them for a year and that taught me a lot of responsibility yeah. I had a good time as well but it also taught me responsibility um, and then going from club cricket and my first game for Middlesex it with the Middlesex champions MC, uh, we were playing the MCC at Lords it was such a cold day it was one of those <laughs> days where we started playing in early April I always remember Graham Hick coming in and just smacking it and, and the ball was so much quicker than I'd ever played before in the sense of the, the tempo of the game. Yeah. Um, and you just sort of praying that he wasn't going to smack it at you. <laughs> I mean, that's how cold. I think it was about five degrees. Oh. And my first wicket was Neil Fairberber and then I kept my place for the championship side and I got a wicket with my first ball, Ashley Metcalf. And no, it wasn't LBW. <laughs> um, and I got five wickets on my debut. Walking off the field, Angus Fraser just said to me, "Well bowled. It's all downhill from now on." <laughs> <laughs> and, and and in all fairness, Angus said to me, "You know, I'm just trying to sit, not trying to teach me a lesson, but it was a lesson that I always looked at." Yeah. He always said that your career depends on not what you do on your good days because they will come. It depends on how you dig in on your average and below average days. So if you can get 20 overs north of 60 on your bad day or on an average day, then you, your whole career points to your average and your below average days. Yeah, uh, because well, I played, what, nine years first class, so I got 25 fivers. So the rest of it is made up of, you know, one-fers and two-fers and... Yeah. things like that so it's just a bit of a strength of mind and um, little things like that going through your career really really, um, they're little nuggets you pick up and, and you remember and bowling's not for the faint hearted um, and it is tough but sort of enjoyable as well yeah but brilliant bit of advice there you said going into that game obviously nine international cricketers how is it as a young lad going into that environment how, how nerve-wracking is it people always ask me what's your greatest day in cricket and people always point to melbourne yeah we were going to bring that um, up in a minute <laughs> but but i say that you have you have loads of greatest days you know the first day you play for the second level and each time you go into each arena you go blimey am i going to be good enough yeah and one of the things that i wished in my career that there would have been more help on was probably building you up to make sure that you knew and getting the confidence to understand that you belong there, um, which is part of getting the best out of people. I yeah. think more in my area is more 
you know, this is going to be hard, you're going to have to work hard. It wasn't so much inflating people, it was just keeping people on the ground. And so playing in playing with nine internationals, going from playing with leadership with eight people that were all related, um, legally related, um, yeah, it was it was nice. But you had a lot of experience around you, um, a lot of people that you could chat cricket with and, and learn the game from. So from my point of view, yeah, it was a great experience playing at Middlesex and um, it gave me... Um, the confidence to go on but I didn't really fl- I, I had good days at Middlesex but I didn't I wasn't as consistent as I could have been but why yeah. should I if I'd just come out of club cricket yeah true yeah so after a couple of years there mate made the move to Kent yeah Middlesex offered me a contract to get to get extension and I, I refused it um, probably because I knew there wasn't a lot of sentiment in the game taught, taught to me at 19 so um I made the decision to refuse the contract and then look elsewhere. And Ken came in and that was a really good move for me. At the time, it was probably a harder bowling attack to get in, believe it or not. Uh, we were moving to four-day cricket. Um, the middle six bowling attack was aging. So Fraser was still injured. Richard Johnson hadn't come through yet. Chas Taylor was the next youngest seamer at 29. Wow. Um, he was sort of in the same situation as me, trying to make his way in the game. And then you had Norman Cairns and Neil Williams and who were coming towards the end of their careers. But also then you had um, John Embry, which I think he's still playing today, so he's probably could still play. Um, <laughs> and you had Phil Tuffnell. So that, that I wasn't I wasn't going to compete for their places, but um, Simon Hughes went to Durham. So there's quite large holes in the middle section changing room. Having said that, with the Kent change for him, I remember playing second eleven at Leicester, uh, Oakham Cricket Club, I think. Yeah. And my first game for Kent was in the second eleven, and there was Mark Eden, myself, bloke with Duncan Spencer, and then you had obviously the first team. You had Martin McKay, uh, Chris Penn, Alan Eaglestone, um, Richard Ellison was still there, so it, it was a challenge, but. It was a challenge that I sort of um, stepped up to and pushed my game and I had a bit of pace at the age of about 24 years later, which really helped and which really cemented my place in that team. Brilliant. I mean, Mark Benton was so encouraging of me, um, one, for bringing me to the club and two, the way he was, uh, the way he kept Yes, you, you talked about all your fivers, mate, and obviously 96 wasn't a bad year for you. That was the world record, three hat-tricks, some going that. Yeah, I've always been on, I've always, uh, I've, I'm the sort of bowler that um, I, bowl, I, bowl, I bowl pretty straight. Um, and most of my wickets were LBW bowled, snicked off at the keeper, first slip, second slip. I used to argue with people about short legs. I didn't get many people caught short leg, and yet they always wanted one. Um, didn't get people, many people caught the third split and gully, so I was a bit of a skinny bowler. So if you're if you're a skinny bowler, then you can take the people by surprise early on. And and through my career, I've always had a lot of opportunities for hat tricks. Brilliant. Yeah, so. Yeah, so just moving on to England stuff now. 
obviously Cat 585 I think it was um, first time we ever three generations of test cricketers sounds like you're always going to be in test cricket mate yeah but I'm the best bowler out of a lot of them so that's alright <laughs> <laughs> brilliant that. so your test debut came in 97 and it was a pretty good start for you wasn't it eight wickets and Mark Taylor first wicket yeah, I hit him on the head. Um, I was really nervous. I hadn't played mixed cricket before I went into that game because I was coming back from injury. And um, and actually, after that game, people talked about me as being a great bowler to left-handers because um, I got all their three left-handers out in both digs. And I bowled really well. However, um, I automatically seen the ball back into right-handers. So... I used to bowl middle, middle and leg to left-handers, protect myself on the leg side with a straight mid-wicket and a, and a mid-on. Yeah. Man out on the deep square leg and a fine leg so that I could bounce them as well. And I just used to make left-handers play hard and um, they'd have to push me through mid-wicket to get runs. Um, and when I'm not quite on form, I then nip the ball back even more. So actually, I was probably about 90% right for that game and it just helped. And I nipped the ball away from the left-handers and um, then everybody started talking to me about being a really good bowler to the left-handers. Before that, nobody mentioned it. <laughs> funny, isn't it? How one thing just changes things. I was say that. Yeah, I love playing against the Aussies. Uh, they, were, they were great and people always say, you know, they were so good and, and they were, but... The one thing, you know, all my test matches, well, I played six test matches, three at home, three away. And I look back and the only I played us absolutely from start to finish in one of my test matches, and that was at Brisbane when it was like 46 degrees. <laughs> we lost the whole first. Um, but when I look back, actually, it wasn't batting and bowling that let us down. We didn't take our chances. And in every test match, I could take it through and go, you take that test, you take that catch you'll bang in the game. You drop that test match, you drop that catch and the game slips away from you. So test matches are won in moments rather yeah. than in half days or whatever, but moments and catching. People don't talk about it enough, catching. You, you can't let the best team in the world get away with a couple of chances. One, one day it did all go right though, or five days, was the Boxing Day test. You mentioned it before in Melbourne. Uh, man, man of the match. <laughs> Yeah, well, all right. well, I didn't take any wickets first dig, but I bowled reasonably well. Um, and uh, I remember Goffy complimenting me, even though I'd got no wickets. And um, and when you say five days, I mean, basically, I bowled pretty well for four hours. Um, <laughs> and, um, they outplayed us. They did outplay us in that test match, but what a... What a, a game to be a part of. I think Goffey says it's his favourite game. Yeah, I've got, um, got the scorecard. Where we did. Got the scorecard open here. They were 140 for four, chasing 174 when you just decided to bowl them out, it looks like. I think it was worse than that. I think if you look at the scorecard, have a look at what they were one down or two down. They were 103 for two. <laughs> And then three for two when we took our second wicket, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, one ball before that, they're and three for one, you know, or and two for one. Um, so yeah. that sort of puts it in place what that last 
um, what that last session was like. But also, it's the longest session in Test history. So it was three hours, 50 minutes, and there was a few rules that came into play. So Oddie's got bowled out just before lunch, uh, just before tea, so we had to take an early tea. Um, there was time having to be made up from the first day having been washed out, and the Aussies were behind the run rate, uh, the overrate, so we had more overs to bowl in that day. And then finally, Steve Ward decided that when it came to the last ball of the day, there is a rule that you can claim the last eight overs, uh, you can like, claim another half, half, yeah. half an hour. And he claimed it, and we were on our knees. And you know, maybe it was better that we carried on because waking up in the morning next day would have been stiff. <laughs> and it was a good night as well. You know, we we um, we celebrated it. We were taking a bit of a battering, but the best cricket we played was in the next Test match at Sydney, where um, the Slater ran out, and it still haunts me because I think that I'm not saying we would have won. But it would have been an unbelievable game, and you know, if you take his innings out of it, and if he would have been run out, and if we would have carried on doing what we've been doing, we would have been chasing 180. Yeah. And I think we lost by 180 runs. God. So um, no, we lost by 100 runs. We we ended up chasing. Yeah, lost one, by, lost by two, 98. Yeah, lost by yeah, 98. So runs. we ended up chasing 280 and lost by 98 runs with a bloke that was run out by about. Half a foot, and, it, and, it, and ended up with a hundred and twenty-three. And it still didn't get given out. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I'm, I've, I've got over it. I think. I was gonna... <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is it? Twelve years late? No, twenty-two years later. Sorry, not twelve. Twenty-two years later. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've, I've lost the twitch, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, we're gonna. Into this best eleven now, we got some some cracking names here at, at the top. A man who, who I'm guessing when you came into the Middlesex side as as a young lad, we've got Desmond Haynes. Yeah, um, like a bouncer walking out to bat. <laughs> you know, um, Desi Desi was tough and you know aggressive. Not not out and out aggressive batsman, but you know knew his game, top of his game. Um, and just in those days, obviously, you had your overseas player all year, so you learn from your overseas players, and you know, to be around them. And funny enough, just thinking from those days that you're thinking that you, you're going to be playing the same level of them one day, um, yeah, so he was good. He was good. Big bands to walking out to bat. <laughs> what was it like? Obviously, when we do a little bit of research in this, we found out on his on his captaincy debut for the West Indies in '89, he famously just time wasted to deny England the victory. Uh, <laughs> at Trinidad, yeah. Was, was yeah, he they just were, win at all costs. He mentioned that to me the other day, and uh, yeah, I mean, there weren't many rules in those days, and he, he used every <laughs> bit of um, of uh, his his experience to to get that draw brilliant why not <laughs> um yeah at the top of the order you've got alex stewart with him mate yeah stewie uh, again um took it to the bowlers that was when he was at his best um i always used to like to bowl to stewie in the nets and when i say like to 
Stu's one his style of batting was one of the hardest things for me to combat. So I always felt that him and, and Graham Thorpe were two people I needed to bowl to and if I could bowl at them and just drag them forward a little bit, I knew I was bowling well. Yeah. Just, so just they were good, they were good, very good pullers and cutters of the ball. So um, that that was a bit of my nemesis when I came across people like that. Quite a bit of debate on Stuart about where he should bat, isn't it? Just keeping him in order and stuff. And obviously, quite a few people do put him at the top of the order. Is that where you see him being best? Well, his best average was at the top of the order, so I think he averaged about 36 lower than he averaged in the 40s. Um, higher up. I mean, he only kept for England to balance the side out, so he didn't have a genuine. Uh, we didn't have a genuine bat, uh, bowling all round who could, who could bat really well. I think if you look, you say there is average at the top of the order forties. That was in an era, wasn't it, where a tough oh, era for batsmen. Yeah. Yeah, there's no respite, no respite in any series. Um, yeah, I mean, Stu was the way he went about it, method, very methodical in the way that he batted, um, but also he had his own style. Um, absolutely OCD. Um, I always remember I always remember making my debut going to Old Trafford and sort of like you go to sit down and oh no so and so sits there I go to the other corner oh no so and so sits there the only space that was left was between him and and, uh, him and Atherton and you couldn't have more contrasting people Atherton was messy smelly um, and Stuart had everything like initialed and labelled pad number one you know a pair of pads of uh, a, you know his initials and then number one and then his shoes had like initials and everything was initialed jockstop was initialed I think <laughs> um, but but also then you had Atherton and Athers was just very relaxed um, kit was everywhere um, and also he hasn't got a sense of smell so I always say that you know he can be putting on the same shirt every day and not realise it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not the person you want to be next to, that. Yeah, little, yeah. Sometimes a little bit stinky. Yeah. <laughs> but he showed he was alright in the bar after. <laughs> Number three, mate, a man with twenty-seven thousand career runs, and that's Aravinda da Silva. Yeah, what a what a player! Uh, Papa Smurf, we used to call him in the Kent dressing room. Um, if he was blue, he would definitely have been a Smurf. Um, <laughs> used to have his heels together when he batted. Um, one of these players that you just looked up and you didn't realise it, but he was on thirty. Yeah. Then he was on seventy, and he was a master of turning over the strike. You know, I remember him watching, watching him through Kenny, like a 200 at a runner ball, but it wasn't like a normal 200 at a runner ball. You'd expect a lot of fours, and he did it fours, but his ability to get a run off a half-decent ball was amazing. His, his control of his back face, the angles that he batted at. The amount of times I've seen an off-spinner go for LBW, and then, it's still, and it, then suddenly it's off the face and going down, down very fine for four. Just amazed me. Didn't like fielding, though. <laughs> he, uh, obviously, the World Cup 100 in 96, but in 95, when he was at Kent, that coincided with a great year in the limited overs stuff. Is that where he was at his best? No, no. no. He's a very under, underrated, uh, under-talked-about player. Um, 
that man could play any format. Um, four day cricket is brilliant for us. Um, he used to bat with a long blade, tiny man. He used to bat with a normal normal handle long blade. Um, just his hands were amazing. The way that he could control the ball. No, normal bat, long blade, and all I remember is no grill on his lid as well. But also, yeah, yeah. when you when you do a little bit of research on on Crick Info, it does say that his other interests, two very random sort of contrasting things, are fast cars and cake. <laughs> and what? Fast cars and cakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got, he has got a sweet tooth, and um, what's quite funny, I think he's got a Ferrari that he drives around. Um, Grand Colombo. I take a school tour out there, and um, we he came over to the hotel one day, and um, yeah, so he's got he's got this Ferrari, and their roads aren't the best. It's unbelievable. I think he's it's the only person who's got a Ferrari on the island. I don't think he can go more than thirty mile an hour though. <laughs> It's, 
they weren't the West Indies basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so therefore, you know, why why take a young lad who's just done that and go and put him at six? And then he got dropped for the World Cup in Australia, I think it was. And then his next series against West Indies and the West Indies and put him back to number three. Does that tie in? Now that's a baptism, isn't it, for a young man? For, for anybody, but if again, if you look at stuff about Rampakash, a lot is talked about confidence and stuff. Does that just completely tie back to what you were discussing earlier about coaching the coaching the person and not the player? You know, somebody who absolutely. Might, yeah. Look, when you get to that level and your level of Rampakash, it's all now between how you set up that player to make him feel that he belongs. So, central contracts changed everything. So, yeah. central contract made England a club that you joined rather than a team that you got selected for every now and then. And that's the difference. So, right, okay. I always say to everybody that there's only two players since central contract who wouldn't have needed a central contract to have the careers that they had. Can you name them? Uh, are we go, if we're going confidence, are we going, I'm going to go Flintoff and Peterson. Absolutely not. Oh, Peterson, <laughs> yes. So Peterson, yeah. Freddie, no. Um, in fact, there's only Peterson and Trot batters who just came in and gunned it from the start to the finish of the yeah, so. They didn't have any lulls. You look at you look at Cook. If Cook hadn't got 100 against Pakistan, in the last game of the series, he'd had such a drought. I don't think he was going on the plane to Australia. Yeah. It's on that plane to Australia. He scores. He couldn't stop scoring runs. Yeah, he scored yeah. runs. In the 90s, he wouldn't have made that play. There was, he wouldn't have made the end of the Pakistan series. Yeah, there was a comparison drawn, actually. Uh, we did a podcast with Mark Butcher, who spoke pretty, just as passionately, really, about Mark Ramprakash, and he drew the comparison between Ramprakash and Ian Bell in the 05 series. Um, Ian Bell averaged 17 in that series uh, and obviously went on to have such an incredible career. Um, whereas yeah. Ramprakash was in and out, possibly with a better yeah. start. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's you, you can read loads of books and you can read everything about people management, but you look at the best leaders. Yeah, they've got the, the players, but when you get to that level, you don't have to tell Mark Ramprakash how to bat. Mm. It's all about preparing him and getting him in the right state of mind to understand that we are right behind you and you go out and you play your natural game. <laughs> and lots of England players got to England and didn't play their natural game or got to England and get told to bowl a different way to what how they got to England. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we want you to do. And it's sort of a bit alien to me. You know, for me, I'm bowling to left-handers. You don't tell me how to bowl to left-handers. You tell me, what do I, what do I need? What, what do you want me to give you? Yeah. Well, I want a straight mid-wicket and I want a, a mid-on. Well, that's not normal. Yeah, but it's what I do. <laughs> that's why I'm here. You know, if, it's, if it doesn't work my way, then change it. But don't don't bring somebody in who's a swing bowler and then tell them that you want them to hit the seam and move the ball away. Mm. And, and the same way, don't be a swing bowler. A uh, seam bowler who hits the deck and then get told to pitch it up. Yeah. Mm. 
I could I could debate that all day, but we will move through you. That was brilliant, a brilliant insight. But we we will move through to the number five, a man who you did just mention there as well. Hundred Test matches, and that's Graham Thorpe. Yeah, Thorpe, little master, quiet lad, tough competitor. Um, again, found it difficult to bowl to him. Um, I mean, Thorpe once told me he felt that I should have played Test cricket two years before I did because. He said that it's not, it's not. I mean, wickets you get in first class cricket. It's how you get your wickets, and he always felt that I got good players out. Right. So that was a real nice compliment from for me. Brilliant. Um, and um, yeah, I like his, I like his calmness, but he's also a fierce competitor. In terms of what he's doing now, obviously he's moved into batting coaching roles. Um, you say there how calm he was. Could you see him always doing something like that? Probably, I don't, I don't know really. Um, I don't think you can look at people and then decide that they're going to be good coaches. Okay. I think you look at how people react to them. Um, Thorpe wouldn't be very intrusive. He'd be very helpful. Um, he's all, all these people know how to play the game. It's just how you communicate. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and I've, I've always had some really good conversations with him. See, when I when I played, I didn't talk to bowlers about bowling. I talked to batters. Oh, okay. In the main, I'm not saying I didn't talk to bowlers. <laughs> Just ignore them. <laughs> but in terms of my only, I certainly socialise with them. Um, in, in terms of in terms of my, in terms of how I wanted to know how I was bowling. I always felt that talking to a batter told me more than what a bowler could tell me I was bowling. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I remember talking to a batter when he was younger and I just said, look, you know, I think you got to think about where you're standing and where you, you, you I've not met many people who can be a left-hander <laughs> and stand where you do. And he just said, um, what do you know about batting? And I said, I know, I know how to get you out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's that's the insight. I'm not going to tell the. I'm not going to tell you how to bat, but I can tell you how I think you're vulnerable. And now I see it as a bowler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think a lot of batters don't talk. Don't don't. Well, batters and bowlers don't talk or discuss how they're coming across to the people that they're playing their trade against. Yeah, that makes sense. Definitely. That's brilliant. Um, the answer number six, mate. Got Carl Hooper. Uh, oops. C- coolest um, man in this team, surely. <laughs> yeah, I think if you did a poll around the world and put like pleasing on the eye batsman, <laughs> I think he would be right up there. Um, just grace. I mean, again, same as Ramakash. Really, he should have averaged. He should have been one of the greatest players. Um, always had time. I remember playing at Lytham. And um, we were playing against Langs at Lytham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Wazim Akram was bowling. Wazim Akram was a genius. I mean, just unbelievable. I mean, if I had a spread bet on my batting against Wazim Akram, I'd probably be on spread bet digits three, and I'd probably sell myself most times. Um, <laughs> and I used to bat in this um, sleeveless sweater. Never, it doesn't matter how hot it was, ever, he bat in a sleeveless sweater. 
um, long sleeves, um, massive thighs, huge thighs, power. And um, and he used to he used to bat with quite a heavy bat. And you just think, how do you have so much time when you got like you bat with a tree trunk? Yeah, incredible. He used to bat, and sorry, we just just lost Dean a bit there. But as you were saying about Carl Hooper, mate. Yeah, so he calls the twelfth man on, and he comes on, and we're all thinking, "Blimey, it's hot day." He's taking his jump off. We've never seen this. He didn't. He took his thigh pad off. <laughs> he got 200 against Wazim Akram and batted without a thigh pad. <laughs> why? And, and and the reason why, when we asked him, uh, yeah, my, my, my gloves, they just clipping, clipping the thigh pad, just restricting my play. I'm thinking, Wazim Akram hit me on the thigh. I will walk for a month. And he did get hit, and he came, but like, he just... And that is how he backed it. He was just going, well, the gloves clipping my thigh pad are annoying me, so <laughs> right. thigh pad off. Unbelievable. Brilliant. I saw, um, I saw, I saw brilliant, an incredible... Brilliant player. A brilliant player of spin as well. Yeah. Um, Phil Tufnell. I think Shane Warren talks about him, actually. Shane Warren does, yeah. says that he was one of the only people that he struggled to get... Um, a read on what he was doing. Brilliant. And he kept using his feet and plonking him head straight <laughs> over his head. And then Shane Warne actually, I, I, you can get it from somewhere, but he actually, he actually, um, he had a tail. Hoops had a tail. I think it's something like he didn't tap his back when he was going to come down the wicket. Wow. Well, okay. he, he perplexed Shane Warne for ages. <laughs> Brilliant, that. Yeah, just just looking at Carl Hooper's career stats, we've got thirty six thousand career runs, nine hundred and fifty nine wickets, and six hundred and twenty three catches. Hmm. Not bad. Well played. Great catcher. Great catcher. Buckets. In fact, the only ones I've seen him drop are the really easy ones. It was like, okay, <laughs> give it, give me the hardest catcher you can give me. I'll take it. Give me the easy ones. I'm not bothering with that. I mean, why should I bother with that? Um, and and people forget how good offspin there he was. You know he, he did. He took loads of wickets. Um, good one day bowler. Um, used to have the ability to bowl a quicker ball. I remember in a game once he he um, he, um, he got bored and he wanted to bowl seam and he bowled quite quick actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bored. I want to have a go. Yes. <laughs> So, m- moving on, mate, number seven, he came up briefly before, but we've got Andrew Flintoff. Yeah, Freddie, um, in his pomp, one of the best bowlers in the world, um, just competitor. Um, the game, management of him. You yeah, know, I was going to ask career, that. It wasn't until Vaughan, Vaughan sort of got the best out of him, but yeah, go-to man. Believes in his ability when he was in his pomp. Um, just, just a good, good blow to have coming in at there. Yeah, he's bold, but world class bowler and somebody who can change the game with the way that he strikes the ball. 
Absolute match winner with bat and ball, and as you said there, changed the game. Is he the prime example that statistics don't tell the whole story? Average is 31 with the bat, 33 with the ball in test cricket. Yeah, because you, you've also got to have the impact factor. Yeah. So it's all right having, yeah, you can have great stats and that, but um, you've got to read into a little bit more than that. Yeah, agreed. Obviously, someone like Anderson, you don't have to read into his stats very much uh, <laughs> to know that he was a match winner, but Freddie was an impact player as well. Um, and sometimes you've just got to look at how the, the difference that people make in set games and 2005, he was ex-factor. Yeah, definitely. So you've got um, an unusual character behind the sticks, mate. You've got Jack Russell. <laughs> oh, mate, Jack. Yeah. Uh, beautiful keeper. Um, probably the best I've seen. Um, did everything his own way. Scruffy. But a genius with the gloves. Um, eccentric. <laughs> That's one. I, would say, I would say Jack would be happy with that. Yeah. Um, there's loads of stories about Jack um, you know he didn't like people knowing his number he didn't know like people knowing where he lived there's stories that he had builders that built it we've heard this we've had these are brilliant yeah bl- blindfolded the builders is what we Be heard it. yeah yeah the builders yeah so he put them in the van's front of man blindfolded them let them out the van <laughs> once in the West Indies where Lord McLean, it was my first overseas store and Lord McLean uh, um, I did that we were going to be much more corporate so I had a few I had a few things that I disagreed with you know he said we want you shaved on the first day of a test match and I'm going I don't want to shave on the first day of a test match you know I don't want to be clean shaven you know <laughs> with the with the sweat and everything like that you just it's just not something that you need to do um, and then he wanted us to all wear blue sun hats which I think the science says that white is probably better to reflect the sun. Yeah. Um, but then that caused a few problems with Nasser, who had his scraggy old like baseball cap that he liked to wear, and yeah. Jack had his, his like gardening hat that he liked to wear, and yeah. and it and it, it travelled through with him all the way through. So Jack literally said, "If if you want me to wear the blue sun hat, I'm going home." <laughs> Anyway, it got to the point, no, no, seriously, Jack was not joking. Jack was going, I'm, I'm not playing if I wear that blue sun hat. So I think what happened was the management, they all had a meeting, we're all waiting there. So 16 people waiting in there for Jack to come in. And Jack was going, um, he'd had this management meeting, special management meeting to persuade Jack everything's going to be okay. So David Gravely walked in and he just said that, Look, boys, um, very sensitive uh, situation for Jack. Um, we've had a good chat with him, and he decided to stand tall. No, we'd like you to be quite sensitive to the fact of this situation. And Jack walked in, and everybody just started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, or, or, or not not laughing out loud, but trying not to laugh. And it was just an sort of you know, but in more uh, eloquent terms. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Jack was just brilliant. Um, great beyond the stumps. It's a great example of somebody who is actually 
an extrovert on the field but an introvert when he gets off it yeah so we talk about introverts and extroverts I mean Jack needed to save his energy off the field which is why you know he started painting yeah you know if he had a day off I remember asking him once what are you doing on your day off in the West Indies and he went I'm going to the moon (laughs) (laughs) and you go right (laughs) see you tomorrow Jack (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have, have a lovely day, Jack. I'm, I'm going to the beach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he went to the moon. <laughs> oh, let's get Jack Russell on here. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow, imagine. Uh, so moving on, another bit of a character as well. Um, the, the, the talk sport expert now, we got Darren Goff. Oh, Dazzler. Yeah, the rhino. <laughs> uh, they asked him why he was called the rhino. He says, because I'm stronger than ox. he did say that Um, but for me Darren Goff if you can get people to do this and very few people I've ever met do this when you get to professional sport if you can play cricket like you're still a schoolboy, then you've cracked it and Darren Goff does everything in his life like an excited schoolboy. so if you're talking to him if you've done something he's done it better (laughs) <laughs> you've been on there somewhere he's been on somewhere nicer right but most people who do that people dislike yeah. Darren Goff everybody loves yeah, it's well, a great so, so in Australia right I, I can't remember the exact story but there is we, we just played at Melbourne and they were resting some of us I think um, Nasser got bested I got bested Goffy got bested and they were played at the Bellarive Oval. And in Australia, what they like to do is when you play these like, these other games, so I think we're playing Australia A, they like to like not just give you an easy game, they like to pick all the young guns that are all looking to get in the test side. Yeah. Try and like bring you down. You know, there's no there's no backward step with them. It's like it's like hostile. So we play this game. The game's Peter in hand. So Athers, who was replacement captain for Stewie, decided that, that we don't want to just play this, we want to put our bowlers under a bit of pressure, whatever. So he set them some ridiculous total. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, 50, I don't know, 70, to get it, whatever. But it was like 300 and... Yeah, go on. Sorry, we had another little technical difficulty there, but Dean, you were saying about... Uh, they got set a ridiculous target for the bowlers. Yeah, so we got set. They set a ridiculous target. So we come back and basically they won with about ten overs to spare with very few wickets down. They battered us everywhere. Angus Fraser went everywhere. I think. I think whoever whoever was bowling went everywhere. Anyway, so this wasn't the best thing. Now Bumble just wanted to just bat and keep batting. Don't set him anything. Just bat. And Athers just wants to do it the other way. So I could see both sides of the argument. So Darren gets dressed in, um, I think he, 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 he gets a sack over his shoulder and walks into the changing room just as the players have come on. Like, ho, 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 it's Father Christmas. I'm bringing some, some presents for you. I've got wickets. I've got some wickets for you, Angus. You haven't seemed to have a lot at the moment. You know, and stuff like that. And 
you know, that's just the way he was, you know. Lots ago, fine for me. Uh, but I, I, if there's a bowler that I wanted to open the bowling with, it's Darren Goff. Every Brilliant. day of the week and twice on Sunday. <laughs> Legends. Um, next team, you've got Andy Caddick. Yeah, Caddick. Um, you know, got bands. Um, wicket taker. You know, uh, there's not a lot I can um, the only time that I ever saw him struggle was when he was against a player like Lara who could pull his length, which not many people could. Yeah. Um, so that was the only time. Um, but, you know, what a bowler. Moved it both ways, in and out, swung it, got seen bounce. Yeah, man, his career starts to show that. Yeah, 1,180 first class wickets. But when you mentioned, when you sent us the team. I can fix anything, by the way. Talk <laughs> to Caddy about anything, yeah, electronic or anything. He's interested. I mean, he flies helicopters now. Yeah, I saw that. That's what I was going to say. He's a pilot now, isn't he? Wow. Well, he's a pilot, but he also sells. He's like a broke. I think, for planes and helicopters or something like that. Um, turns up to PCA matches occasionally, and he's um, PCA match. Masters uh, matches occasionally as a helicopter, uh, <laughs> which is quite yeah, a bit of a show off, isn't it? Yeah, that's one, <laughs> um, that's one way of doing it. But yeah, really kind man, really kind man. Um, would do anything for anybody. Um, and if you you need to call, get him. And at number eleven, Dean, we talked about about characters. We've got Phil Tufnell. Must be nailed on. Well, this is one of the all-time characters <laughs> of, of any any sport. Buffett <laughs> is most to bowl fantastic left-arm spin flight and guile. Um, proper Londoner, uh, cheeky. Um, ended. Probably needed building up more because he always like. Um, he always wanted people to say, you're good. And I think he would have thrived even more in central contracts as well. Um, but didn't like fast bowling. Didn't like medium pace bowling. I was going to say, didn't he's like, definitely number 11 there. Like seen bowling, to be fair. <laughs> but actually, when he stood there, and he, t- he could hit it sweet. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he used to go around the dressing room and say... Um, so, uh, is he going to quit? And you go, yeah, yeah, he's going to quit, cap. And then he go on to the next person. And he kept going around, so eventually he found someone who said, no, no, mate, quick, he's all right, he's all right. <laughs> so he's always looking for somebody to calm him down. I mean, I remember, remember in the Jamaica with that test match that called off, and it was, I think we were all hiding underneath the bench. Um, <laughs> and it was just, uh, he, he wouldn't have wanted to bet on that wicket. But as a bowler... Um, unbelievable. That's what I picked him. Cracking. Was that not why, was that not why he smoked all the time to calm himself down? <laughs> no, no. He uh, he used to smoke and sleep. <laughs> so that's why he's called the cat. <laughs> that's the way to do it. It certainly wasn't because of his dynamic fielding he was called the cat. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a, a cracking video on Twitter about two or three weeks ago of him playing Shane Warne and... You know, we all know how good Shane Warne was. Shane Warne looked baffled. (laughs) 
He was just running across and kicking it away from everywhere. Superb, brilliant insight, mate. So just quickly then, who's captain in that team? Some of the insight there was superb, but you know, A, we've got through your team, and B, West Brom kick off in two minutes, mate. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll look forward to that. Maybe we get three points. I think, well, be good for us as well, but mate, thank you so much. Some Honestly, some brilliant insight there. Loved every minute of that. Cheers, Dean. Okay. Cheers, fellas. Cheers, Dean. Thanks very much, and thanks everyone for listening. Check out the website, academynorth.co.uk, social media at academynorth1. Apple and Spotify for the podcast and just on the podcast it's always going to be free to listen but it's not free to produce so if you do want to buy us a little cup of coffee it's buymeacoffee.com forward slash academy north thanks again Dean cheers Steve cheers guys cheers guys